So I want to I take you to a waterfall tonight. I want to take you to a beautiful aspect of God that the world, unfortunately, has turned into a swear word. And what I'm going to try and do is, uh, Ryan, you must try and follow me. You don't put up the other slides. It's just going to confuse people. But what I want to try and do is I want to take you to this waterfall and actually explain something of this, this waterfall because this, this concept that I want to look at tonight is something that's actually very beautiful because it's so close to God's nature. But the world is gone and the world has turned it, the world and the devil, because you know that the devil is the God of this world, right? The Bible actually says it. You wonder why the world is what it is today? It's because the devil is the Lord of this world. And he twists and turns this world and he, he makes it his slave in a sense. And because we live in this world, many times he gets into our minds and he corrupts the things of God and he makes it a corrupted thing in our mind where actually it's a beautiful thing. It's actually one of those waterfalls. It's actually a beautiful thing. And what I want to speak about is uh, the S word. Now all you young corrupted minds think sex. I'm not going to speak about sex tonight. You're not even laughing. It's the, uh, some of you thought about that. That's not what I want to speak about. I want to speak about the S word. It's, it's turned into a swear word in, in the church, in Christianity, in many people's minds. But actually, it's not a swear word. Actually, it's a beautiful thing. And it is submission. Oh. <laughs> submission. See, a lot of you were like, what else but sex is the S word. <laughs> it's like submission. That's actually the thing that I want to speak about. And and I know in the first service, I specifically spoke about um, men and women and how that works, because I know after a month ago, I preached about the role of men and women, and there were many questions. Who was like, who had a few questions afterwards? No, a month ago, I preached on, oh man, woman. I preached on men and women. Okay. Some of you, anyway. So not so many. So I did a good job. But some people came and they, they just had questions. And a lot of the questions I felt like was to do with this thing of submission. And you know what's interesting Paul, when he went into a church, because that's what we're doing here. I'm not a professional minister. That's not what I'm trying to do. Actually, when it's a calling from God, what Paul did when he went into a church is he says, I want to come to you so that I can supply what is lacking in your faith. And as questions started popping up, I realized, you know what? Maybe in us, because of what the world has done and the, 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 the perversion of the world when it comes to this thing of submission, the world has perverted it so much that actually it's lacking in our faith, a good understanding. And when we see how much submission is part of the nature of God and how what a beautiful and good thing it is, maybe I'll flow into the men and women thing. I'll see how far I get. But first I want to lay a foundation. I want to look at it biblically to show us what a beautiful thing this is actually. So if you can quickly go to uh, Philippians 2 verse 5 to 9. So many of, much of the reason, and I'm hope, I hope I can get to men and women specifically later, but much of the reason why people struggle with this concept of, of submission is because they don't know what it w works like um, between a men and women, right? They're like, how does this work? How does the man's wife submit to the husband? And there's just a couple of scriptures that, um, that confuse us. But I want to start and just take a step back. Before you look at any of those things, let's just understand it for what it is. Let's understand submission, I hope you, anyway, from, in my mind, a lot of people see it as, as a, something that they wrestle with, like, how does this work? But let's take a step back. So you, you know that the Bible is interesting. God, God, how many people, well, it's not people, how many persons is God? Sort of, right? How many is he? One. Or is he three? Or is he three in one, or is he three and one? 
It's like, it's like this weird thing that we can't understand. We don't totally understand the Trinity. And, but when you read the Bible, you'll see from the beginning, when the Bible speaks about God, one of the first words, the first names for God is the word Elohim. And that's a word that's in the plural, actually. It's interesting. From the beginning, we catch this hint that God is not only the Father, but that there's, there's a little bit more. He's one. Yes, the Bible says that he's one, but he's also three. And then we see when God creates man and woman, he says, let us create them in our image. Man and woman, God created them. So there's this thing within the Bible called the Trinity, where God is one. Uh, the book of, book of Deuteronomy teaches us this, that our religion is, a God, is, is, is that of, of God being one. But then God is also within the oneness. There's Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's God the Father, it's Jesus Christ, and it's the Holy Spirit who is a person. He's not an it. It's not an it. It's not a mystical force. It's the Holy Spirit is a person. He's here with you. He lives with us. He speaks to us. He convicts us of our sin. He's with us. Jesus actually said, I'm, I'm going, and it's better that I go because I'm going to send the counsel of the Holy Spirit. God is with us. In a sense, Jesus said he's, it's better. And I think, how cool would it be walking with Jesus on earth, eh? Imagine that. Imagine how much you can learn from walking with Jesus. But then Jesus says, yeah, 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 yeah. But... Better that I go because I'll send my counsel, I'll send the Holy Spirit. So we've got the Holy Spirit with us. So God is one and God is three. And here's the interesting thing. God is totally equal. I'm going to look at a scripture now. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are totally equal. There's equality amongst them. They are all three God. God the Father is not more God than God Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not more God than God the Holy Spirit. They are all God and they are all one. doesn't make sense to our human minds. Here's the beautiful thing. Let's look at Philippians 2, verse 5 to 9, and we see the relationship within the Trinity. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So it's going to speak about Jesus here. I'm reading out of the NASB. Um, so let me, I'm going to read it on there because it's in the ESV, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, which was also in Christ Jesus. So he's going to say, this is what Jesus is like. You can go on. Who? Though he was in the form of God, this translation doesn't say it as well, he, he's, he's, he is God, right? That's what, the, anyway, my translation says it a little bit better. It explains it, that Jesus is God. He's in the form of God. He's totally God. Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So Jesus is equal with God. He's equal with the Father, equal with the Holy Spirit. But he says, it's not something that I want to grasp. I've got a place that's been set out for me. It's equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. But I'm not going to grasp it. But Jesus said, I will empty myself. And he took the form of a servant. So Jesus is in heaven with God. That must be a quite a comfortable place. It's like quite nice. There's no sickness. There's no sin. There's no like um, bad things that happen. It's, it's an amazing place. But Jesus said, I'm not going to keep that for me. I'm not going to keep my equality. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make myself less actually. And I'm going to make myself, I'm going to put myself in the form of a servant. A servant. Being born in the likeness of men, Jesus came and lived as a man on this earth. I don't think we have any clue how significant that is. God, God said because of people, because of wanting to reach out to them, because of their sin, to get them out of their sin, to get them in relationship with me, I'm going to say I've got a place, I've got equality, but I'm, I'm chucking my equality away and I'm going lower. The Spirit of Jesus says, yes, I've got equality, but I'm, I'm going lower. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, 
even death on a cross. Jesus didn't say, I'm going from heaven to earth. He's saying, I'm going to the lowest place on earth that I can. The worst death that you could die in the time of Jesus was being crucified, being put on a cross and, and being killed. It was for the scum of the earth. And Jesus said, because of my people, because I love, if you think of Jesus standing here before you, think of him hanging on the cross right here on the stage, he did it because he loved you sitting here so much. And he said, I can stay in heaven and I can have a comfortable life. I can come and live among you and that might be a good example, but that's not enough. I want to die for you so that you can come to know me. And the Bible says, so Jesus lowered himself and lowered himself. And in lowering himself, God raised him up again. The spirit of Jesus says, I've got a place, but I'm willing to go lower. Just follow me here. Let's look at the spirit of Satan. Isaiah 14, verse 12 to 15. It speaks about the devil, Satan. He's a real being. Just for a bit of context, those of you who don't know, Satan was actually an angel. And he wasn't just a normal angel. He was one of the archangels. He, was, he had a special place in heaven. In fact, he was a beautiful angel, the Bible says. He was in charge of music, and I think a lot of corruption has come into music nowadays, actually. But the devil was, was a high angel. He had a high place. There was God, and I think just a little bit lower than God, there was actually the archangels of which Satan, Lucifer, was one. So just follow me here. But what does Satan want? Spirit of Jesus says, I'll go low. Look at Satan. Speaks about Satan. How you have you are fallen from heaven, O day star, which speaks about him. Son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground. You laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Listen to this. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol to the far reaches of the pit. Satan also had a place, just like Jesus has a place, a very high place. Satan said, it's not good enough. I want to be like God. The spirit of Jesus says, I will go lower. The spirit of Satan says, I want to be higher. And so submission is this thing that doesn't make sense to the human mind, but I want to start by saying the Trinity, within the Trinity, God has modeled. He said, don't fight for your rights. The world has taught us, fight for your rights. Get a higher place. Work yourself up to, to being successful. And God says, no, that's not the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is to go up, you must go down. To be exalted, you must first submit. You must first submit. And now you can imagine if the devil can come into this area and he can pervert our view of submission to make us Christians who say, no, I want a place of authority. We'll speak about marriages as well. If he can teach women to say, I, I want, I'm equal with my husband, which is true. You are in, in value, in worth, you're totally equal with your husband. But if he can tell you, if he can bring you to the place that he's given you to say, but I want more, I want more, then actually what is he doing? The, the spirit of Satan is getting into our hearts, actually. Spirit of Satan, and it comes in many areas leadership. I want to just use an example tonight. We, we had a few leaders standing up here tonight. I know for most of you, you would celebrate, but once you start like giving yourself to the kingdom of God, the Bible actually says to, to desire to be an elder is a noble thing. So there's something of leadership that God is going to put in many of your hearts. And in some of your hearts, God has already placed a desire for leadership, maybe eldering, deaconing, 
home group leading, community leading, whatever it might be. And so we had an example here tonight. Now I want to test, test you. For, it won't be for all of you, but it's for the example's sake. Some of you, when those people came to stand up here, something in your heart could not celebrate with them. Because you want to be there. You've got a place in the church, but it's not enough for you. You want to be there. Subtly, the spirit of Satan has gotten into your heart. The thinking of Satan has gotten into your heart. You want a higher place. What we actually want is to say, uh, if you were able tonight, if, and this is what we want, to be able to stand there and say, I celebrate with you. I'm so excited with you. Because if we have the heart of Jesus, we say, I want to go lower so that others can go higher. And you know what? When God finds that heart in you, then he will exalt you. Satan wanted to be higher, and God said, no, while you had a place, you wanted to be higher, now I'm putting you down there. Jesus had a place, he went lower, and God said, no, I place you up there. Interesting, eh? The Holy Spirit says he doesn't, he doesn't, refer, he doesn't point to himself, actually, the Bible teaches us. He only points towards Jesus. What's that? Jesus took the low road. Jesus understood submission. Jesus didn't have a warped view of submission, and because he submitted himself, God's, the Holy Spirit says, I, I, I'm taking a step back too. I'm exalting Jesus. God the Father, we see that the, the Bible actually says that, um, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. What is that? Jesus is being exalted. It's not even saying at the name of the Father, at the name of the Holy Spirit. No, it's at the name of Jesus. Every knee on this earth one day will bow before him. Hopefully you do it in this life. Hopefully, but if you don't do it in this life, lo and behold, one day when you die and you stand before him, you, you can't help but your knee will bow, but you might not be with him eternally. You might not, but how beautiful is it that even the Father then says, because Jesus has lowered himself, I will exalt him. At his name, people will bow. As near, at his name, every person who has ever been born, their tongue will confess that he is Lord. Every person, the biggest atheist that you've ever met, one day when they stand before Jesus, because of his submission, God will honor him, and they will have to confess, Jesus, you are Lord, but it will be too late. Where do I go from here? <laughs> so where does this play out? It plays out in many areas, and the world will try and corrupt this view of submission in so many areas, but it's actually a godly thing, and I'm hoping that you start seeing it now that it's something that God models for us. He, he doesn't expect anything of us now that he says, I, I'm doing it, therefore you can do it. So there's a couple of areas um, that I wrote down here somewhere, but I'm throwing my notes around so I can't find it, which is okay. I don't have the exact scripture references. But then what God does is he expects each one of us to have a heart of submission, actually. We'll get to men and women now. Because I think what, what the, the wrong view that women have is, why do I have to submit and, and men don't? You've got a warped view. Men probably have to submit more than you do. Actually, I'll look at that in a moment. They have to submit more than you do. To, to a greater authority, they have to submit. I want to go there, actually, <laughs> but I'll, I'll just wait. I'll build it up a bit more. Um, <laughs> but... Now we understand that submission is actually a godly thing. And the Bible, we also are fast of only men and women, and how does that work? But actually, there are many areas where we're called to submit. No, actually, the Bible says that we are, submit, we are to submit to our parents, obey our parents. I'll tell you a quick testimony. 
Um, my, my mom and dad got divorced when I was really young. I was about one year old. And like I grew up in a bit of a bad household actually. My, our babies are just over 10 months old. My dad is only going to meet them now, but only because I'm taking them. He, there's, just, there's no relationship really there. It's not in a good thing. And then my mom on the other hand, my mom was, uh, I've, she knows that I mention this to people, but she was undiagnosed bipolar for most of my life. So bipolar means you, you hit the highest highs and you hit the lowest lows. And we didn't know. We thought she was a bit depressed. We, we weren't sure what, what happened there. So, so my childhood was a bit up and down at, at points because my mom raised me. I lived with her. I'm an only child, as you can see. <laughs> I don't know, with the good looks or something, you can see. <laughs> I didn't have to share the looks with anyone else. So I'm just, that's a really a joke. I'm not conceited like that. Um, <laughs> but... I didn't have a good relationship with my mom. Before I got saved, I, I never wanted to be at home, actually. I, I avoided being at home as much as possible because I, if I was home, my mom and I would fight. We, were just, we just did not get on it well, well at all. Then in my first year, God, like I got saved when I was 17 years old, and slowly but surely God started restoring because God is in the restoration business. If there's no restoration taking place in your relationships, then maybe you're not walking with God yet to be honest, because he is in the restoration business. He will prompt you to forgive people. He will prompt you to speak to people, to make right where you've wronged. That's what he does when he comes into your life. And so he started doing that in my life. He started sort of making things right for me. And um, then my mom and I, our relationship grew a lot, but it was still okay because of years of actually just neglect and, and it not being in a good space. And then one day, I read the scripture, it's in Romans 1, you don't have to, well, you can't put it up, you don't know exactly where, it's somewhere in Romans 1, and it lists a bunch of, like, I was just reading my Bible, totally, firstly, I, I had this Bible plan, so I read in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament, and I read of Noah and his son, so what Noah did is, after he came off the, the ark, I think he was a bit thirsty, so he made a bit too much wine, and he became drunk, and he, he lay naked in his tent, the Bible says. And then his sons came, and instead of covering the shame of their dad, they, they didn't do it. So two of his sons actually walked backwards. How do you do that? Wait. So like this, they covered, they, no, they covered their dad like that, and then walked away to cover his shame. But one of his sons didn't. He, he made fun of his dad. And actually a curse was put on him because of what he did there. And I never understood it completely, actually. And anyway, so I was, I was reading this scripture, and then I bounced to Romans 1, and I started reading Romans 1. And it, Romans 1 shows you how bad mankind is. That's sort of the, the purpose of Romans 1. It like lists all of these intense sins, intense things that people do, right? like a lot of things. It ranges from a lot of sins, but like these intense sins. And in the middle of these sins where you want to go like, yeah, that's bad people do, do that and bad people that do that. Ooh, it must be such a bad person that does that. In the middle of all of it, there's a scripture that pops up. These bad people are disobedient to their parents. And I'm like, huh? That's hectic. That's quite hectic. And God speaks into my heart in that moment. You know when the scripture just pops up actually. And I realized, just like my eyes opened up and I realized that Noah's sons, actually what they did there is they didn't honor their dad. That's all they did wrong. They didn't honor their dad and a curse was put on them. And then I started reading and I realized the only command with the promise is that you should honor your father and your mother and then you will have a long life. None of the others have a, a promise. So it just started opening up to me, and I realized it was like, in a moment, Andrew Saley leads Josh Jen, and I realized 
if, if I've got respect for Andrew Seeley, if I obey him, if, if I'm willing to say, like, Andrew, I follow you, I obey you, I submit to you, just in that moment, I, f- I thought, why am I different with my mom? Why am I different with my mom than my spiritual leaders in the church? And God convicted me, and I, from the, like, I've really tried to, to make right there and to, to bring my heart into, into submission, actually. But the Bible calls us to submission is a godly thing, then it brings it into our relationships with our parents, and it says, make right. And I want to say, Mona, I hope you don't mind if I say this. Um, uh, yeah, we had an elders week in a way. It was, I felt quite emotional, actually, because Mornay was ordained as an elder. I don't want to cry now. Um, Mornay was ordained as an elder last night, um, yesterday afternoon, and your dad passed away how long ago? <laughs> Two years ago, suddenly his dad passed away. And as we were speaking about it this weekend, I just realized, Flip man, his dad would have loved to be at his ordination. And his dad missed the wedding, all of those things. His dad would have loved those things. And like we were just speaking about it, I just became emotional because I'm like, I just feel so for the guy. And he said something, he said something, he said, whenever he speaks to someone and their relationships with their parents are not right or with their dad specifically is not right, he always tells them, there's nothing too big to forgive. Go make right right now. You don't know how long you have, actually. And so what is this? The Bible says, break, uh, the, the world says, break open your own way. Do your own thing. Become independent from your parents. And to an extent, that's fine. That's healthy. But actually, when we look at the Bible, when we look through the Bible's lens, it challenges us. No, no, no. Submit to your parents. Unless they ask you to do something un- that's ungodly, actually submit to them. Funny story. Um, I had to ask whether I could marry my wife twice. <laughs> Because the first time her dad said no. <laughs> so if you think you've got it hard and you think it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit difficult for you, firstly, she battered me for about six months that she wasn't interested. She was like pulling the friend card all the time and things like that. And I said, I get the grat, but I get So I went. I was like, no, I'm going to get this girl. I'm going to go for her. Eventually, we're dating for 10 months, and I'm charismatic. So 10 months is a long time to, to, to wait until you... <laughs> get married, right? (laughs) That's a long time. We should have been married by now. And I ask her dad, and her dad basically says to me, um, well, her dad's like such a happy-go-lucky guy. So he's like, yeah, if my daughter trusts you, yeah, 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 yeah. And her mom's like, remember, you're asking parents, not dad, right? (laughs) And I'm like, well, whoopsie daisy. And the next day, her dad comes, and he's like, no, my wife and I actually spoke about it, and we think you guys have been doing long distance all this time, 10 months. If you can just live in the same town for three months, then we'll give our blessing. But for now, it's a no. You know, I could have at that moment said, stuff you, right? (laughs) I could have done that. But actually, because you understand it, because you understand this beautiful thing of submission, actually, you know what I did? I started telling Carla, you need to find a job. She was here for three months. Three months later, I was at their door again. (laughs) And this time, they had champagne ready. And I was like, hallelujah, this is going to (laughs) work. Anyway, so it's this beautiful thing, actually, but we, we want to be our own person. We, wanna, we, we don't want to listen, but actually, like, God, this sounds like a small thing. You know, it's not a small thing. The world has perverted it. Whether your parents are Christians or not, that doesn't really matter so much. Unless they ask you to do something that's against the will of God. If they say don't get baptized, uh, sorry if their parents here, I would argue that in Scripture, I see that you don't listen in that moment. You can still handle it respectfully. You can explain. You can explain your conviction to them. But we listen to God before we listen to anyone else, right? 
that, that is a principle that we find in Scripture as well. I'm going to go to the next example and you'll understand. But, but if it's not that, if it's not something that's clear in the Bible or God has clearly spoken to you, we'll say that's clearly sin. Actually, we should. If we understand submission rightly, we, we get the blessing of God when we lower ourselves and come even under our parents. And the Bible also says we need to submit to governing authorities. A couple of years ago, there was the Zuma must fall thing. No, actually, that's not right, eh? Uh, do I like Zuma? I do not like Zuma. That's not the point. It's not like I'm a fan of Zuma. That's, that's not actually the point. The point is the Bible says whether you agree or not, governing authorities were put there. I don't have the scripture references. I'll post it on the leaders group. But governing authorities, I think it's in Romans 13, were put there as God's, uh, as, as, uh, man, as God's people to bring righteousness in the earth. They carry God's sword, actually, the Bible says. And so whether you agree or not, actually, that's not the point. So Again, the disciples, they, they knew it. They needed to submit to the governing authorities until the governing authorities told them to do something that was outside of the scriptures. Don't preach the name of Jesus anymore. They said, no, I listen to God before I listen to a human being. It's at that point where we draw the line. But before that point, actually, we should be good citizens because we understand submission. What does the world teach us? If you don't like it, don't do it. If you don't agree, then just chuck it. But actually, we should be good citizens if we understand submission and we understand submission rightly. Should I go to the guys and girls thing? Huh? The girls are like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> guys are scared. You should be scared. <laughs> so how does it work with guys and girls? So, so there's a difference here. If I look at the Bible and I bring submission into the lens of the Bible, I think there's, there's, it's, it's different for single people as compared to married people. And maybe I'll just, I'll just, how long do I still have? No, I've got a long time, man. I'm just starting. You better get comfortable here. No, it's not, a, it's just a joke, honestly. Um, so, so um, men and women. So, so there's, there's singleness and then there's marriage, right? I'll quickly go to singleness. I'll just quickly go there and then I want to go to marriage. And whether you're married or not, that's not really the point many of you will be married one day, and this will be applicable to you. And many, most of us are scoping towards marriage. Not all of us, because we don't have to, but most of us are scoping towards marriage, and you can start implementing things in your life now for then. But there are a couple of married people here as well. Not a many, but there are. So um, when you're single, the Bible actually, we're going to speak about it now. Most of the submission between a man and a woman, we actually, when you go read the Bible, it's husband's Wives, submit to your husbands, which we'll get to in a moment. Don't, don't start crying. We're getting there now. But when it comes to single people, you know, actually, um, a, a, a girl and a guy in this church, it's not like a guy can walk around with a submission card and say, hey, wash my dishes, go wash my car, go mark my, go do my homework for me. That's, that's not it. And I think some people have this misconstrued idea of what it actually is. No, it's not that at all. Actually, if you're a single person, ladies, hear me out. Hear me, hear me, hear me. If you are a single lady, you submit to your parents and you submit to the leaders in this church. That's actually it. As we submit under the Lord. Now, I'm not saying just follow us if we say anything out of, outside of Scripture, but actually, that's the people you submit to. It's not your boyfriend. Your boyfriend is not your husband. It's not the boy you like, and it's not a random boy in church. That's not what it works like, actually. It's not what it works like. I'll, if you want, I can send you the preach of a month ago. But actually, we are, men and women are equal in so many respects, right? So many respects. We are equal in, 
anointing. We're equal in worth, the Bible teaches us. We're equal in the revelation that we receive. Uh, women can evangelize. Women can prophesy. There are so many things. And I just feel like if we misunderstand this thing, then the ladies will cower away and think, but the guys need to do it. And that's not actually the truth. Are there things that are for guys only? Yes, you can go listen to that sermon. I believe so. But are there things that are for women only? Yes, there's a different aspect of God that you see that I don't, that you represent that I don't, and vice versa. And then guys, if you are not married yet, submission for you, and this is what I want to say, women one day will need to submit to their husbands. We're going to speak to that in a moment. Um, But you, the Bible actually says, is as they submit to you, you submit to God. Who's scarier to submit to? (laughs) God. And you know what? They can't start practicing now. Not really. A little bit maybe. They can't start practicing submission to their husbands because they don't have their husbands yet. You can start submitting to God right now. Right now. And bring your life under God. You know, it's this interesting thing that when I got saved, I'll tell you quickly just a little bit of my testimony. There was a couple of sins. Like when you, when you come to Jesus, there's most probably, whether you know it or not, whether some of you are really good people, I wasn't a really good person. Even if you were a good person, there will still be sin, right? But I, I had obvious things. Like I drank too much. I smoked. I saw ladies as an object. I listened to bad music. And what else was there? And I didn't do my homework, okay? <laughs> I, that one I still struggled with, even after salvation. But anyway, those things came. <laughs> and when I came to God, you know what the interesting thing is? Before I got to know God, I thought I was a Christian. Actually, legit, if you asked me what religion are you, I would have said I'm a Christian. But I didn't want to be a Christian like those people who were like radical Christians. That's like, I'm, I was a klein Christian. That's a groot Christian. I don't want to be a groot Christian. <laughs> That's not, I'm not after that per se, because it felt so dry and lifeless. When I looked at their walks, they were so good. They didn't drink, and drinking was fun. Like, let's be honest, you don't do it because it's boring. You do it because it's fun. I didn't smoke because I didn't like it. I smoked because I liked it. I didn't chase ladies because it was bad. I chased ladies because it was fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my sin. Uh, Amen? Some of you enjoyed your, like, don't be religious now. You enjoyed your sin, right? (laughs) so religious. You're so quiet all of a sudden. No, I enjoyed my sin. Sin is good when you do it. It's fun, right? It is really fun. I enjoyed it. So, <laughs> let me take a sip of water. Let that sink, sink in. Yeah. And I didn't want to be a groot Christian because it looked like they just kept the rules and it looked so boring and lifeless. And then one day in grade 11, I went on a camp, and for the first time in my life, well, before actually, but that, anyway, long story. Well, for the first time in my life, I, I think I really encountered God for the first time. And I really I, I met with God. I, I, I experienced His love. I experienced His presence. I'd never had that really before in my life. For the first time, that happened. And everything changed. I stopped doing all of those things, not because I saw it in the Bible. I hadn't even started reading my Bible, because I was satisfied with something else. And people from the outside don't understand that. When your atheist friends or your friends who live in the world look at you, your life looks boring to them. But when you live your life, there's something of an abundance in Jesus where I am satisfied. I, do, I, I don't do those things because I don't want to do them. Because I found something in Jesus that's better. Wow. 
why am I saying all of this? I can't remember. <laughs> Submission to God, okay. <laughs> so, um, so I, anyway, so, so my life could ch- change completely. And slowly but surely, uh, first at once, God let a, a few things fall off of me. It was like those things weren't a desire anymore. And, and some of them still kept knocking. I remember a year later, 2000, and no, still that year, 2007, the Springboks won the Rugby World Cup. And we walked through the streets. We were, anyway, I won't tell you. We were just quite naughty still, even as Christians. And we ran around, and people were drinking. And I remember that tug on my heart again. I was like, oh, that looks so nice. But I found something else. That's better. That's nice. This is better. And something of, like, of that, that lordship of God and submitting myself under God, slowly but surely, God shone his light more and more on my life. And more and more, I laid my life down. And whether you've been serving God for a minute, some of you will be start serving God tonight. I'm sure of it. I think if you're not serving God, we're going to put out a call later so that you can start serving Him. Or whether you've been serving God for 30 years, it doesn't matter. One thing that God is going to continue doing is He's going to teach you how to submit. Because He wants to be not only the Savior of your life, your ticket to heaven, He wants to be the Lord of your life that comes into every area in your life. So if you fall, stand up because He's not going to stop. He's going to keep on Digging into your life because that is our God. From the outside, that looks bad. When you understand submission and the beauty of submission, you say, God, I gladly submit my life under you. Girls, you, you have to do that too. But guys, I'm saying to, to a little bit more of an extent, you have, to, you have to do it. Because one day your relationship with God will have an influence on your wife's relationship with God. And if you're not coming to a place of submission now, you're not going to be able to lead your wife properly one day. You cannot expect of anyone to submit under you if you're not first learning to submit under God and under the leaders God has placed over your life. Sort that out in your life. God is not Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. That counts for everyone, but I want to say specifically to the guys tonight, make sure He's Lord of all, every aspect of your life. If you want to lead a lady one day, make sure that you lead yourself now. Bring yourself under God. Bring yourself under the submission of our King. Does that make sense? It's not too hard, eh? A little bit. Girls, can I just stop with you again for a moment and say that I I really want to ask you, if you look for a husband one day, the one thing that you need to ask yourself is, are they submitting? Because if they're not submitting, why would you want to follow them? Why would you want to follow them? And I know some of you are going to fall in love, and I've, man, I've, shed tears over girls in this congregation that just fall for guys that are not godly, they're not saved. And I want to say, you do not date potential and you don't marry potential. You don't do that. You run for God flat out. There's this, I thought it was corny, it's not corny. You run for God flat out. And then you look next to you and you look for the guys who are running with you. Those are the guys that you can pick from. Don't pick for guys standing still there at the back, still doing their own thing, okay? Find the guys who are running, don't look for a guy who's not firstly in submission to God, secondly, submission to your, lead, to your leaders. Because I've told Carla this, if I lead you somewhere that's not godly, I give you permission to go to the other elders in the church. You don't even have to tell me. Go tell them, Leonard's not listening. Let them sort me out. Because I understand submission, and that makes me safe. That makes me safe. Ladies, you want to marry a safe guy. Not boring, safe. Safe. Am I making sense? I feel like I'm losing you a bit. Is it making sense? (laughs) 
Okay. So I feel like I've already spoken about marriage. I'm going to start ending with this. So when we understand submission, then within the marriage, suddenly it makes sense. Suddenly it's not, it's not an abusive thing because so many people have, have seen abuse within marriage. Who comes from a broken home, if I may ask? Many of us, right? Many of us, the reason for it is because there was abuse. It, it, it didn't happen well. And you know what the sad thing is? In many of our lives, abuse leads to no use and not right use. And that's a mistake. Because you've seen abuse doesn't mean that you should just chuck it away. You should say, God, something is wrong. I want to find the right way. I want to find the right way. When it comes to marriage, although there is so much abuse within marriages, that doesn't mean that your marriage has to look like that. Actually, you know what the beautiful thing about marriage is? And I'm going to end with this. We are part of the bride of Christ. If you look around you, this is the bride of Christ. You know what? I hate it when people say nasty things about the church because the church, yes, the church has its problems. Amen? Like the church has problems. I've been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by the church. If you haven't, welcome to the club. You will get hurt by the church at some point. <laughs> Someone's going to hurt you within the church. The church has spots and blemishes. We've, we've got problems. That does not make us not the bride of Christ. This is the bride of Christ. And the Bible actually says, when it speaks about marriage, it says that we as a church, as the church, we represent the, the bride, right? In a, in a marriage, in a sense. We represent the bride. And it says that Jesus represents the bridegroom. And what Jesus came and did is, he, he is the Lord, in a sense, right? And so he made himself lower so that the bride could be lifted up, in a sense. And that's what a husband is supposed to do in a marriage, to say, I want you to succeed. I want you to be without spot and blemish, actually. That's what a true marriage should actually be. Hey, I fail there many times. I fail. I'm, I'm too selfish many times. But your marriage is not actually about your own happiness. It's not about you having sex, young people, honestly. You think, I want to say it. I want to say it because it's really true. You think your problems are going to go away when you get married and you start having sex. That's not the truth. It's not the truth. Your marriage is not about you. It's not about you. If you're a guy, your, your marriage is about seeing your wife be beautiful before Jesus. Just like Jesus laid down his life for the church so that the church could be beautiful before God. That's the call of the husband. The wife, we, the world has made it into a swear word. No. Just like the church submits to Jesus, so you submit to your, God, your, your, your husband as he follows God. And to a big extent, if he follows God, he's going to lead you into more. Actually, you don't follow if he's, not, if, if he's doing something unbiblical. That's not what I'm saying. Like, you don't have to follow him into sin, not at all. You can speak to the elders, reach out. If you're ever in a marriage that's abusive, reach out. We want to get you out of that situation, see if God can come into that situation. That's not the point here. But the beautiful is actually when those things come together. When a husband and a wife find their right place. You know what it is? It's a prophetic picture to the world of what the church should look like in relationship to Jesus. God created marriage, and he put submission within the fabric of the marriage to teach us that that is the way that we should also submit to Jesus our Lord. So if submission has been a swear word to you, and I know maybe for the ladies it's, it's more of a swear word because guys don't think about it so much, but actually, guys, we should think about it because it's scary. If you in a marriage and you make a mistake and your wife follows you into it, she's, she comes all free from that. You stand before God. <laughs> it's a little bit more scary. 
for me. Let's stand.